Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS. It's episode 775. We've got a great guest here. I haven't got my co-host, Kurt. He's swan off to WordPress USA, um, but he will be back next week. We've got a great guest with us. We've got Janice. Uh, I'm not going to, I already have forgotten how to pronounce his third name. I'm not going to let him do it. Um, But he's the founder of WP Webhooks. So, Janice, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, totally. So, my name is Janis. I am from uh, Germany and started my career around 10 years ago as a web developer creating websites for small businesses and went on that path to find possibilities for automating things. And for me, it was always a big thing about how I can actually save time, how I can make the most out of my day. And that's how I became super, super interested into things like automation, especially for the web. And I started creating a product, which is called WP Webhooks, which basically allows you to create automations directly within WordPress. So you can connect different services together, let them talk with each other, and just make your life more free and free of the resources for things that actually matter for your business. That's great. Um, in this episode, like I say, we're going to be talking about W Web, Web Hooks. We're going to put, discuss some of the challenges and getting the business started and moving forward. Um, I get the impression that Yanis is a bit of a digital nomad. Um, yes, we're, we're going to probably kind of cover that as well a little bit. It should be a great show. But before we go into the meat and potatoes um, of this interview, we got a couple of messages from our major sponsors. We will be back in a few moments, folks. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. Hi there, folks. It's Jonathan Denwood here, and I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that's Zolo.com. If you've got a WordPress website, a membership website, and you're looking to link it with a great financial management package, Zolo can provide this solution. So all your bookkeeping needs are done through Zolo. If you need new inbox email functionality and you don't want to pay the high charges that Google will charge you, Zolo offers a great email inbox platform. They've got over 50 apps and services that all integrate fantastic with WordPress at great value levels and they almost always offer a fully functioning free product as well. So it's just amazing value. Also, if you're a WordPress developer or agency owner, Zolo are looking for great partnerships in the WordPress space. 
To get all this information, all you have to do, folks, is just go over to Zolo.com and they have the products that you're looking for. Thank you so much, Zolo, for supporting WP Tonic and the Machine Membership Shows. It's much appreciated. We're coming back, folks. I just want to point out we've got some great special offers from the sponsors. Plus, we've got a curated list of the best WordPress plugins um, with some special offers linked to those as well. Um, to get all these great goodies, all you have to do is go over to wp-tonic.com slash deals, wp-tonic.com slash deals, and you find all the goodies there. What more can you ask for? I don't know, but you're not going to get it. Uh, um, so... <laughs> Yeah, Miss. Um, so, um, what was what? Why did I think you touched it with your your quick intro? But what was the synopsis around the early days of W Web Webhooks? Um, what problem did you think you solved? And um, was you looking at other solutions or did this come on your radar and you were looking to build a, a, a plug-in business? You know, what basically what's the origin story that led you down this path a little bit? Yeah, got it. So initially it was a more of an internal project of something that I needed for one of my clients. And it was more about giving some kind of push notification from the website whenever someone was sending a form back then. Uh, as well as when a new user updated a post because they needed to control those kind of things. And I didn't see any solution on the market that could do that out of the box. So while developing this feature, I thought to myself, like, hey, why not just make a plugin out of that and give myself the possibility to use it and others the possibility as well and have the benefit of them extending it as well. So we all benefit from it. And this is also where the name comes from, WP Webhooks. Right now, it's way more than that the webhooks kind of went a little bit more into the shadows. So there's still a core part of our product. And uh, for the people who don't know what a webhook is in the first place, it's basically the possibility of sending a request to a specific website whenever some event happens. Let's say a user logs in, you can send a notification. Uh, an email was sent, a short code was called, a website was visited, whatever. And with the time, we felt the need for actually connecting those kind of webhooks to some kind of workflow. So it's not just that we wanted to send data, but we also wanted to receive data. Let's say we wanted to create a user from somewhere else on our website. And those things came over time to our product. So we basically integrated actions and then allowed these kind of triggers and actions to be connected in, in a sense of workflow, which allows you to do cool things like when a WooCommerce order was created, you can send them a notification as an email. You can add that order to your accounting system. You can send the data to Make or Zapier and do a lot of other things that happen basically in the same row. So you can get rid of the whole manual process for something that usually a human had to do before. Yeah, that's fantastic. I kind of explained to um, people utilizing our hosting and that, um, that ask about this. I, I kind of say that these kind of... Um, what you're offering on a kind of zappy of WordPress, you know, because they enable different. I know it's a lot more, but I have to give, I have to give a quick, quick answer to somebody that doesn't 
had the time to really delve into this, but um, because people don't realise that a, a lot of plugins, they have to spend energy and time providing their own add-ons that will communicate with other leading plugins in the WordPress community. So you, your type of solution kind of helps if there's no no pre-built integration. Am I on the right track there? Yes and no. So definitely it helps if there's no predefined one and either we have one available or one can be created. But also in a lot of cases when existing plugins have already a webhook integration, a lot of people still prefer to go come to us um, just for the fact because we are specialized in webhooks. So our structure is way more advanced and they can do way more with it. It comes a lot to, for example, data formatting. If a specific webhook sends the data out in that format, it's usually something static if it's not manually adjusted. So with our plugin, we have predefined features to kind of allow formatting, to allow mathematical formulas and those kind of things. So in the end, still a lot of people come to us if they're looking for some more freedom in adjusting the data that actually comes through. All right. So um, what have been some of the significant challenges you faced in developing the plugin and the marketing that have come on the radar that you you didn't initially anticipate on your journey? Yeah, so the, the biggest part is probably that WordPress is so decentralized. So there's not one global marketplace where you can list your stuff. Uh, of course, there's Code Canyon and those kind of things, but they also support mostly everything. And if you look for a specific target group, there are not many options than literally reaching out to people with cold emails or making ads or making SEO. And that is what I went for. So our plugin basically completely grew organically through SEO, which is something we specialized on. So we took some more complex approaches like programmatic SEO to just get our our name out. And that is how we have been marketing since the beginning. What do you mean by programmatic SEO? It's, It's basically a way of creating landing pages on demand whenever we release for example, some new integrations. So whenever we have new objectives, we try to combine these objectives and create meaningful content on them um, dynamically that is, again, being listed on our website. So Google can find it and can list it for specific keywords. Yeah, I follow what you mean. Oh, so so that's been the main driver, um, traffic from Google, basically, using... Yes, Google being mostly any kind of search engines or as well resource hub. Um, for forums, there's yeah everything that kind of comes through organically through SEO or, or social networks. So, would you say that your plugin is really aimed at the kind of WordPress professional kind of implementer, designer, developer? Is that or what have you yeah, found the audience? I'd say it's more for the power user. Mm-hmm. So, if you have never heard of webhooks or about JSON or just in general about connecting different services together. It might be a bit difficult, uh, especially because we just have a very advanced setup. So you are very flexible and we don't limit anyone to do um, only a specific thing. So if you are aware of how WordPress works in, in like the basics to know that a post is part of a custom post type and that you have a basic understanding of when a website is called this and this happens, then it's definitely not an issue um, to use our product. I mean, we also have a fully-fledged documentation that mostly covers everything 
we offer within our product. So it's a very straightforward process, I would say. Mm. Uh, obviously, you said um, about the competition because you you have got um, like two to three main competitors in this sector. I don't know if you agree that, you know, you've got Uncanny, um, there's another one, and I think Adam Pazier, um has their own. Uh, uh, there's probably even more than that. Um, did you did you ever, you, obviously you always got to make a decision. If there is no competition, that, that suggests that there probably isn't a market for your solution. But um, did you, how have you tried to make your solution a little bit different or have you not bothered? You know, do you think there's things that they don't provide that your solution does? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say for, it's definitely a market where, where multiple products are in. So you're completely right for that. I would say everyone serves like kind of a different purpose. We are not, I'd say for the very simple follows, but more for people that really look to, to automate as much as they can out of a specific workflow or something that they couldn't achieve before. So we are working, for example, as a difference with the full payload of the data that comes through. That means if you send, for example, a whole user information through from a different website that comes to your to your WordPress website and you want to use that data within our product, you can use every single bit of the data and format it in any way possible. And this is, for example, a thing that is not possible with most of those plugins. And it's it just comes more to the, I would say, more advanced features that we are taking care of. So our product is basically all developed to be a super stable, super fast and performance-oriented solution that can be leveraged by power users to make the most out of the WordPress website. Are, are there any kind of particular industries, typical, have you observed any data that, you know, you, you're getting people from a certain industry, a certain type of individual that seems to be attracted or, or is it so diverse that you're not being able to make any um, coherence of where the customers are coming from? I'd say it's it's very diverse. There is everything from, from non-profits to bigger agencies and corporations that use automation. I'd say it is mostly everything that happens digitally. So stuff like real estate for listings, for example, uh, of course, e-commerce, those kind of stores usually use those kind of solutions from us uh, to integrate in the stuff into the website. So to, to give a specific niche, it's very hard, but yeah, I would say everything that happens digitally. So probably more in the e-commerce branch or, or, yeah, whatever is on, visible, visible on a website, like with real estate agents. Yeah, so it seems that it's in, it's kind of like you say, it's the power user, um, it's the um, the developer, that, that type of individual that um, it's got complicated kind of automation needs, and maybe looked at some of the other competitors and. It hasn't satisfied them, and they're finding a home with your plugin. I think that's the synopsis. I think you're you're writing out here. Would I be correct? Uh, it happens sometimes that uh, customers migrate from a different solution to us, for sure. If it comes to more complex scenarios, we have also a lot of people natively coming to us just because they find our landing pages and they they see yeah. a fit in what we offer, and 
usually it's also a very simple thing to to set up for them. So we also have features like exporting and importing different workflows. So you can just spread them through your network. And if you're an agency, for example, you can create them once and you can distribute them to all of your clients within a few clicks. Oh, well, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. how, how did you develop that functionality? Was it something you envisioned at the beginning or was it because you got feedback from yeah, your users? It, it came fully out of uh, users' needs. So we usually get support tickets um, with feature requests, with integration requests. So we have a dedicated page for that as well on our website. And what we deem mostly necessary or important or just lucrative for the customer to have, that is something we focus on and we implement. So I'd say most of the features that we added afterwards, they actually came from our users and from their needs. Um, how do you how do you, do you balance like what you've just outlined? You know, you got a you got input a feature request and you looked at it. How do you, in your own mind, and I, I'd imagine everybody struggles with this. How do you judge um, what? new features you'll build into the platform that are linked to the core philosophy or but don't mean that you build out you lose focus you know you just add functionality and you end up moving into different areas and then you lose focus from the core need the functionality that you originally built plug in the solution for if that's making sense yeah yeah i i get that part so if it comes to core features so something that any integration we have available can use then it's something we usually integrate directly if it's more specific requests let's for example say someone wants to send a specific data in a different format it is usually something that we don't implement from our side, but we give them a manual on how they can do it by themselves with either just some small little code snippets. and Or if it's like a more complex project, let's say they, they want to completely customize it and display the data as well somewhere or store it in the database, then we also have partners that we can refer them to so that they can kind of extend that stuff. And we have a, a full integration available that our developers can use, for example, to create their very own integration. Let's say they have their own SaaS or like a SaaS business. They can also create their own integration and launch it for themselves that is directly working and harmonizing with our plugin. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, so obviously I had to ask you this question, you know, because it's, it's, it's in the public interest. It's out there at the present moment. And I'm sure you've been mm -hmm. thinking about it as well. Um, what do you see as some of the opportunities around AI for your own? I don't know if you specifically see any opportunities for your what you're offering and your own plugin yeah. and service. And and also, what do you think? Um, what do you envision in the that AI will affect WordPress in the me, in the medium term? Got any thoughts around that? Totally. So we actually dove into the AI space quite some time ago. I'd say in February when we started creating our first integration for for our plugin uh, for with OpenAI. So you could back then already um, ask for completions from OpenAI and kind of integrate WordPress uh, directly with it. So we we had an example manual or a blog post back then that kind of allowed you to automatically create a, a post meta description using Yoast SEO within your WordPress website whenever you update a post. 
So it's it's those kind of small things um, that kind of develop further. So I I'm I have a team um, in an agency that is currently building AI chatbots for a certain uh, set of customers that is not just WordPress-based, but also integrates very well with our products. So we had some some cases of that before. And how that usually works is we have, for example, some kind of support or AI persona of, of someone that has a WordPress website and sells, let's say, online courses or they are influencer. And their customers or their I'd say whole community can talk with a virtual version of themselves, or like of, of the influencer, and then interact directly with the WordPress website in the sense of that they can share their email to get some extra information and it's added to a newsletter using Mailster plugin, for example, and those kind of things. So we see the trend a lot for people to move towards chatbots on WordPress because they integrate very well with AI and just allow a completely new world of interacting with the website as well as with the actual person that's behind it. All right. And how do you see Word? How what do you think AI will affect WordPress? Obviously, there's been some products around helping you write copy, but then recently there's been a couple of products um, that will build a whole website um, depending on what information you give. Um, I haven't made my own mind up about those. Uh, is any uh, are there any opportunities that you think that are coming up on the radar that you think people haven't thought about? Hundred percent. There's every day. There's something new coming out. Um, it's becoming more complex, and I think something we are all fighting with at the moment is something called the token limits. When you talk with API or with with AI request, AI API request. Let's, for example, say you you can you want to ask the AI something about a specific document, but the document has 100 pages. You are basically incapable of sending that data specifically to the AI and get a, an answer that is trained based on, on that specific document that you give it. And that is mostly because the AI just not doesn't have the resources yet to get all of the data. So there's some intermediary stuff happening where you can pre-save data in something called a vector database. It's a bit more technical, but you can retrieve data from there and then pretend like you actually get the data back. And I just mentioned that for the fact that it's basically a workaround, which means there's no completely final solution there to actually get the AI as far to understand very, very long and complex topics, which is also part of this dynamic website creating process that is happening at the moment. So I saw I saw a lot of websites implementing those kind of solutions. So like you mentioned that you can kind of copy a website or you, you enter a prompt and it will create that website dynamically for you. Yeah. But it's still very limiting because the AI just doesn't have the capacity in the sense of tokens to actually build something meaningful on a, on a larger scale. So it is possible, but there are still a lot of workarounds involved. And I guess the more we advance, the more complex and better solutions we will see. So this is definitely something that becomes a thing. And it's also something that a lot of people will start leveraging in one way or the other, either for advertisements that are dynamically created specifically for their target group or for lead generations or for, for internal tools. So there are, there are millions of possibilities right now, and it's, it's definitely a good time to look into it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, do you, you know, I'm struggling here a little bit because I, I've got there's two sides to the coin here, and I've been 
I kind of oscillate back and forth. Um, because the, these are these are language models based on advanced mathematics, but the system doesn't understand, you know, because we don't. I say I was going to say it doesn't really understand. Is it not? It doesn't understand the meaning of things. It, it it's utilizing speed and advanced mathematics to recognize patterns and and one word after the next word in context of a of a ever more advanced pattern is that hopefully i've explained my, how i see it um am i on the right track there or or am i missing something um, very easy to understand because I'm, I'm not the sharp, I'm not the bluntest tool, but I'm not the sharpest either. So, yeah. So if it, if it comes to to language models, it's usually something that mostly only very big corporations do because they have the funding for it. Yeah. What happens behind the scenes, and I think that is what you're referring to, is that that contextual, like the meaning of a specific sentence. So, the AI like a language model itself basically understands things already pretty well. It can make reasons, I would say, pretty much accurately, especially what we see from, from OpenAI. Where the issue comes, it's also, again, related to this token length. So if we are storing big data, for example, in something, like I mentioned, the vector database, it, it works in a way using mathematics cosine functions usually to find the nearest patterns to some vector that you give it as an input. So let's say you have the word dog and you want to find it. You you kind of run this through something called embeddings within OpenAI and you get this kind of vector numbers back. And with those numbers, you can then search the, the closest other vectors in that space mm -hmm. or in the side of that vector database. And depending on how you configure it, you can get the, the first, the third, the fifth, or the, the 10 first um, clo closest vectors to that and return them in a response, which means... This AI doesn't have the full knowledge about the whole document, but it just has access to the X amount of closest vectors that you give it to it. So, yeah, thanks for that. Then, I, I, yeah. Was, I was following yeah. what you explained that because obviously it's very technical and you've got a much deeper yeah. knowledge than I, I have. But you, exp you explained that so I could follow it. But the only thing I wanted to point I did interrupt you slightly and I apologize. No um, worries. But, um, I get back to what the problem, not a problem, but it doesn't understand the document in a human kind of way. But I don't, with the limited research I've done, we don't really understand how people learn things. Well, we have indication of best practice and what works with different types of individual, depending on their own, um, are they are, are they visual, are they all to, to read? You know, there's different styles people have. But I don't think we fundamentally understand why, why one person can learn something where another person really struggles. We have vague ideas around IQ, but even... Even when I did research about the foundations of IQ, I was surprised how much of the foundations were based on what I consider to be pseudoscience, uh, um, uh, um, which surprised me. So I have even 
um, I won't say concerns, but um, IQ tests, because I, I did some research about its historic foundations. And like I say, I was shocked by how much, in my opinion, it was based on pseudoscience. Can you see where I'm coming? Or do you think I'm just going off on the bender here? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I fully understand where you come from. I cannot tell you exactly if it's different, mostly because we just don't have that much research about it, or at least I'm not fully aware of that. I can see that things become pretty reasonable from the AI standpoint, at least from, from the knowledge, the way it learns it, it probably depends on how it's trained, right? So I think the process where it gets interesting is to see the way how they are, like the language model actually trains or is trained through what kind oh, yeah. of methods. And I, I can tell you there, there are two different types that, that I'm aware of, which is supervised and unsupervised. So it's basically like you... When, when a kid drops your, a cake on the floor, the way how you tell the kid it did something wrong or it did something right, uh, it's, it's something in that kind of, of sense. So I think in a lot of senses, in a lot of cases, we basically train the AI to, to tell it based on predefined inputs if something is correct or not, and mm. it learns out of that. So that's one of the ways. The other ways is it has just trial and error, and it just tries something until it works out, which is also something we humans do. Yes. So I think this is commonalities within the language models. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Thanks for that. I can see where you're coming from because in some ways it doesn't really matter if it doesn't think like a human. It doesn't, because yeah. what you're saying is it really what, what really matters is the end result, doesn't it? Exactly, yeah. It's like the same with mostly every product. The end results matters way, most, way more than the, the actual journey. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks for that. Well, we went on a bender there, listeners of yours, but you know what you're getting in when you listen to this podcast. Uh, um, I like to go on to a slightly untrodden path. Uh, um, we, it's been a fascinating first half. We've got some more questions for Yanis. Uh, um, we're going for our mid-break, folks. We will be back in a few moments, folks. Hey, it's Spence from LaunchFlows.com. If you've been looking for a fast and easy way to create powerful sales funnels on WordPress, then look no further than LaunchFlows. In just minutes, you can easily create instant registration, upsells, downsells, order bumps, one-click checkouts, one-time offers, custom thank you pages, and best of all, no coding is required. For as little as $50 per year, you can own and control your entire sales funnel machine with LaunchFlows. Get your copy today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS, the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code PODCAST20. That's PODCAST20. Enjoy the rest of your show. We're coming back, folks. I just want to point out, if you're a WordPress freelancer professional and you're looking for a great hosting partner, but a lot more, why don't you look at WP Tonic? Not only do we offer some great um, partnership incentives, we also are great support um, partner if you're building membership or community websites or any other 
complicated website, um, especially if you're a freelancer designer. Uh, um, to find more about what we offer, all you have to do is go over to wp-tonic.com slash partners, wp-tonic.com slash partners. And you can find out more there and you can book a chat with me and we can see if we're a good fit to become a partner. Please do that. So on to the next. So what are the plans? What are the schemes? What is the outline for world domination when it comes to marketing optimization in WordPress for WP webhooks in the next 18 months? You know, what are, um, it's a difficult question because obviously you don't want to, you know, there are stuff that you've got to keep to yourself. But is there any possibility you can peel the curtain slightly to tell me maybe some of your medium or, you know, some aspirations that you would like WP Tonic to do in in the medium term? Uh, I mean, if it comes regarding to our product timeline, I'd say we just do what we do best, which is creating new integrations and making the product better. That is, I'd say, like, as easy as it gets. <laughs> but is there any kind of, kind of medium-term vision where you would like to move the product for, you know, Bigger vision that you would like to move it, or are you are you just concentrating on just getting more and more functionality that works for your user base at the present moment? Yeah, exactly. We care mostly about our users. Our our end goal is not to have like a, a bigger vision at some point to to turn it into a SaaS. It's already a pretty successful plugin, and we just want to make sure to get the most out of it. So the more we can optimize, the better and the stronger we can make it. The, the more we can just take over of the market and, and bring our customers something that they can actually enjoy and use for their product or their business. So why, um, you know, obviously uh, when you agreed to come on the show, I, I did a little bit of research about about you because you can't, I can't even remember where you came on my radar, but I think it was actually looking at your product actually. And you see, me, you see me intriguing guy. Uh, um so um, I did some research, and uh, why why have you decided to try and build a product in the WordPress space? Because I would imagine um, you could have gone the SaaS route. Um, what what interested you about the WordPress and building a a plugin product in that space rather than going the SaaS route? I think it was mostly because I was already working with WordPress and the plugin basically came out of a customer's need. So I didn't want it to reinvent the wheel and start from scratch again. So I already had something that we built up on and we saw some really good responses back then. So I just decided to pursue that and continue. And in the beginning, it was just like a little side hustle until we saw there's really a lot of people needing needing something like that in their business. And that's just when we started focusing more onto that. Yeah, that's right. basically it. So when it... So, like I say, when we were chatting before we went live, you know, you're based in Dubai, and I think you're a bit of a digital nomad. Uh, I think you, when we were having our initial chat before we went live, you agreed to that. So, um, what's, first of all, what's it like living in Dubai? You know, how long have you been there? And what's the kind of tech WordPress culture in Dubai like? I'm, I'm mostly traveling. I am... Uh... 
I have been for the last two years, I would say, since COVID more often here because it's very convenient and the internet connection is just great. So it's a very simple and, and amazing place to work from. And you have a really cool and motivated community that is especially as well younger. And they're very tax savvy. So there's, there's a lot for me to learn from them. And I can give the same back for, for the automation needs. I would not say there's much happening with WordPress, uh, mm. but it's a really good spot for me to switch to things like WordCamp Asia and WordCamp Europe, which is surprisingly the exact same amount of time away. And it makes, it makes things just very convenient. It's a, it's a really nice hub spot, like a, a really nice spot to, to travel all around the world. How do, how do you cope? Well, you're probably not there in the summer, but uh, Rob, how do you cope with the heat? I, I, I'm English. I'm just used to gloom and rain and more rain and more gloom. Uh, Rob, that's what I'm used to. You know, living in somewhere like Dubai, I, I just, I can't live in Las Vegas. So I live in the Alpine area. That's a lot of sun, but um, the heat, I just cannot cope with heat. How, how do you cope with it? Or, or don't? Do you just go somewhere else when it gets too hot? I'd say it's something you really get used to. Uh, I mean, I'm originally from Germany, so we also didn't have the, the hottest summers back then. <laughs> so when I came the first time, I can tell you it was really hot. It was really, really hot. And that was during the summertime. So oh my God. back then it was, it was very intense. Now I'm even here sometimes with 40 degrees, 45 degrees, and oh. I'm perfectly fine. So it, it all switched a little bit. You kind of get used to it. And at the moment, I actually appreciate it in some way. It's very interesting. Because here you still have the convenience. It's not like you're forced to be outside because you walk a couple of meters, you can go into a mall and it's all under AC. So it's, it's really fresh. Yeah. And it's just the convenience here that makes the heat very standable. So it's, it's not a big issue. I'd feel way worse off to be, for example, in Europe in some, some older historic city and knowing I go to a coffee shop and there's no AC inside and I know I have to sweat nevertheless. So here you at least have the choice. <laughs> So how long have you been a kind of quasi-digital nomad then? I'd say around eight years. All right. I've been, yeah, I've been traveling quite a lot. So what, what are some of your, you know, obviously um, people ask me consistently, you know, what do you like about England? What do you like about America? You know, did you not like England? And the truth is both, both countries are, I've spent a fair bit of time in um, there's this, there's different aspects of both cultures and countries that I like or don't like. Um, so some of the places that you've been, um, are there like two to three that are on your favorite list that you, and maybe you can tell us what, why you liked them? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So I'd say my favorite country is Montenegro. Oh. Because it's very versatile, it's super close to Europe, and you can go from the Mediterranean coast with ocean and olives and uh, fresh fish to the really mount, real mountainside up to 2,000 meters in the in the mountaineer, mountainous area. Everything's green. Uh, you can ski. It's it's just such a big switch that you can get within a two-hour drive, which makes it for me very attractive to just get different inputs whenever I want to. And the people are insanely friendly there. It's just one of the best places to be. And I say as a second country, probably Afghanistan, as weird as it sounds, but their nature is just yeah. crazily incredible. It's very much untouched. The history is very, very interesting. And it's not just 
sand like you expect, but they actually have mountains to ski as well all over, all around the year. So it's a very versatile place as well that I can definitely recommend to check out. Sorry, I lost, what was, what was that last country, sorry? Uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Yeah. Right. Um, when was you there? I'll be asking. When did you visit that? Uh, it was shortly before they removed the US troops. So it must have been 2021. Did you yeah. not feel at all, you know, um, did you not feel at all slightly worried about your personal security by going there? Keep being, not, not being, keep being kidnapped, basically? Yeah, it's a, it's a thing that you hear often. But to be honest, I, I'm not more scared than I am when I walk through London or some other big city in Europe or anywhere else. It's usually the people that you choose to be there. So if you have a guide or someone that, that knows the local people, you're in pretty good hands. And I'd say it's very rare that something is happening there. And we even did road trips. So it's, it's really not that bad as the media always presents it. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, I can understand it. So how long did you, how long was you in Afghanistan then? Uh, we haven't been too long. I would say but more than a week. All oh, right. Yeah. Right. But I do understand that I, um, I have some people that I know that served in the American Armed Forces that spent a number of years there. Uh, um, and they said, they they pointed out that it's extremely diverse, the um, different tribes. And one factor they pointed out to me is because Alexander the Great and the Greeks, actually, um, they are certain tribes in Afghanistan that are lightish in complexion and you can actually see that um and blue eyes and they said it's very diverse the different um different tribes and different populations is that something you found as well uh, about the people not really but the history definitely you you can find you can find the old abandoned cities from that empire uh time back then of, of Alexander the Great. So you have you have tons of ruins that you can visit, uh, crazy paintings as well. You also have cities, I would say, cut into stone. So you, you basically live on a cliff and inside of the cliff, they have the houses and everything. It's, it's a really crazy place, but uh, insanely beautiful and really has a lot of history, especially about the, the Silk Road parts. All right. So well, I did expect you to say that one. All right. There we go. You made Bondi Ego sound really fantastic as well. Um, so um, what are some of your biggest influences, you know, people, books, people you listen, you know, we all have a few people that if they post something or they, they've got a latest blog post or they've got some the latest um, podcast um that we will listen to um, if it comes on our radar. Are there any, like, one or two people um, with what I've just outlined that you follow that you've, you'd like to tell us about? There's quite a, a lot of things happening. I mean, I'm, I would say generally everything in the tech space in AI world, I'm usually following either on Twitter. Where do you find the time, though? <laughs> It's all about automation, right? It's all about how you actually structure your day. So I try, I try to work as less as possible to get the most outcome. <laughs> yeah. So, so is there is there any any particular influences that you? There, there is uh, not in the automation space, but um, I would say business wise and yeah. personality wise, and yeah. that's Alex Hormozzi. 
pretty famous name. I don't think uh, there are many people don't knowing about him, at least at this point. Uh, what, he's, uh, what do you like about his content? What, what have you learned from his specific materials? That, like he always says, he uh, gives the value out for free and sells the implementation. I think that's one of his big concepts. So everything that you need to know about business is something that he teaches for free in a in a way that just makes more sense from like like from anyone else I ever heard it from. So it just opened for me the doors to understand things better that I did wrong in the past and what I can do now to make things better, faster, and more efficient. So he's just the genius behind uh, telling you how to execute a business in a way that you can actually scale it properly. All right, thanks for that. Um, my last question, uh, um, you know, I, I'm English, so obviously my childhood, I watch a lot of Doctor Who and the TARDIS. Uh, um, I don't know if, if you understand what I meant there, if you're, you ever watched any Doctor Who. Um, so if you had a time machine, a TARDIS, and you could go back at the beginning of this journey with... Um, what with WP webhooks? What is there like one or two things you wish you could tell yourself that you wish you knew now? Don't work for perfection, but work for the results. I think it's one of the biggest ones. That's a good we one. Are, we are so we are so thrown towards perfectionizing everything, which is something that I did as well. So I can tell you that our plugin structure is one of the most solid things ever. But in the beginning, it didn't matter. It didn't matter much because you first need to get your name out and you actually need to get people. So turning that around, we could have probably been already at a way higher point that we are now, which is something that I learned now. Everything is going well, but it could have been better. And that is something that I learned. And I can just emphasize for everyone to not lose yourself in the details and move on with something that works and optimize it and perfect perfectionize it along the way. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point you've made there, actually. But I think it also comes from the startup community, like a minimum viable product. I think getting something that actually does something, but it's really like what you say, getting it out there and getting the message and um, building those relationships. And if you spend too much time, obviously the thing's got to do something for the target people to the community that you're trying to build influence in but um you can overdo it and a lot of people do overdo it don't they um so just kind of follow up through through question before we finish um what what's your sense about the wordpress community in general you know you, um obviously you live at the present moment you're based in Dubai and you say it hasn't got a big community but you're probably online with all your automizations where where do you think wordpress is in the larger sense in 2023 do you what's your sense about where it is and what's happening to it do you mean like from a from a, a point of uh like the coverage of WordPress or the community? I was trying to be very vague because I didn't want to influence you okay, <laughs> with okay. my, my own take on that. So whatever you want to take it. But it was I was trying not to give yeah. you any guidance there. I okay. inf influence you. That's okay. That's okay. I'd say I start with the community because I think that was the biggest pain point over the past years because, like I mentioned earlier, it's very decentralized. So there are not many platforms where people from a specific WordPress space come together. 
But from my experience, the first one I actually ever came in contact with was Codable. Since uh, it's a basically a developer platform where you can hire the 1% of developers. And I, I joined them back then, which was a really good step forward because we finally had a little community of developers that we can talk to each other. We can exchange knowledge. And after that, for a while, there was nothing happening until I actually discovered uh, Post Status, which is apparently a membership where they bring WordPress techie and uh, power users and agency owners, business owners, whoever together to just talk and exchange and try to make WordPress a better place, uh, develop better products and just help people to grow. And this is something that for anyone out there that is actually involved in WordPress, you should check out Post Status. It's a great place to just connect with people um, from the industry. Yeah, it's a great, you know, um, it's a great platform. I think they got a little bit upset because I made a very English sarcastic thing that I wouldn't join it myself. But I'm not a developer. Well, I was a while ago, but I'm not now. Um, so it would, a lot of the conference, well, I don't know, maybe I should try it. But they do great things and I, I wish them well. And I am supportive. So... Um, what's the best way for? Thank you for coming on the show. It's um, we've gone pleasure. We've gone some different directions, haven't we? Uh, um, but what's the best way for people to find out more about WP Webhooks, and, and also uh, maybe if people want to find out a bit more about you and your thoughts and that. Yeah, so for WP Webhooks, they they can just visit us on our website, either wp-webhooks.com. If you Google the same name, you will mostly also land on our page. If it's about our automation agency where we help customers to automate their processes within the business, it would be indigraticus.com. It's the exact same writing. You will find it as well under WP Webhooks anyways. And for me, I'm mostly active on Twitter. So if you just drop in my name in Twitter, you will also find me and just the things that I'm doing. That's fantastic. I've really enjoyed the chat. Um... Likewise. Oh, thanks for that. Um, we will be back next week. We go, um, we've got our round table show next week. With um, it should be a great discussion. Um, and then we've got some great guests in September. I can't believe that we're at the end of August here, folks. It's just flown by. The summer has just disappeared. But I'm just thankful that I'm not in Dubai because I don't... <laughs> Yenis tried to... Tried to paint a good picture but I think I would literally melt um, we will be back next week with another great show we'll see you soon folks bye 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 hey thanks for listening we really do appreciate it why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group and also to keep up with the latest news click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter we'll see you next time